Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to invest in yourself by tuning in today. We are business creators. We have entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have marketing and business coaching and consultants and mentors. We have the folks who help others create and grow their businesses And on the other side of that coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers like to have your own hands on the levers as you market and grow. If you are one or more of the above, and many of our listeners are all four of the above, take a moment, explore episodes, discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators just like you. Be sure to subscribe, and over 180 episodes will immediately enter your iTunes, covering a variety of topics suited for business creators with fresh content added every week. And if you don't want to search iTunes, just click the big button in the right-hand sidebar of our website, and it'll take you directly to our iTunes channel. Something that is so near and dear to me as an entrepreneur, as a business creator, is the ability to basically start, run, and grow a business from anywhere. Sometimes we have really great days as entrepreneurs, and sometimes we almost dream wistfully of knowing that we could just go somewhere from nine to five and then go home and it doesn't matter. But when I get in that latter state, what I'm reminded of is the flexibility that comes with being an entrepreneur. I can pretty much work anywhere, anytime, and location doesn't really bear on my ability to deliver. And that, my friends, is the mobile work revolution. And to share with us about the power of the mobile work revolution, I'm so happy to have with us Frank Cottle of Alliance Virtual Offices. And just to tell you a little bit about Frank before we introduce him here, Frank is the CEO of Alliance Virtual Offices, and he's the chairman of the Alliance Business Centers Network. He's a recognized expert on flexible working, the virtual office movement, and third place working. Prior to creating the Alliance brand, Frank successfully operated his own portfolio business centers in multiple locations across North America. Frank has spent almost the past 30 years delivering business services that are finely tuned to the workplace needs of startups, entrepreneurs, and growing SMBs. Over the years, he has worked with tens of thousands of business owners and coupled with a unique global management perspective, has become the go-to authority on flexible and remote work. This sounds like a sweet song, Music's My Ears. Welcome aboard, Frank. Well, thank you, Adam, very much. Great to be here. You bet. And before we dive into uh, the content today, we have a lot to go over. What I'd like to do, uh, like I do with all the episodes of Business Creators Radio Show, is I start by sharing the guest's official bio. But then what I like to do is I like to dig a little bit deeper. And what I want to do is just get a little sense in your own words of a little bit about your personal journey that has led you to this point right now where you serve business creators from the intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Well, I'm not sure that I'm either brilliant, but I certainly am passionate. Uh, we've been in the serviced office industry in one form or another uh, for 37 years, since 1979. Right. 
uh, when we started. Now, we actually started as a property company, um, uh, building buildings that were dedicated to these funny new things called executive suites. Um, <clears throat> it was We were very much at the pioneering edge of our industry, what is now the serviced office industry today. Um, <clears throat> and uh, for 10 years, we built buildings uh, um, and, and plugged business centers into them or executive suites into them. Um, and that got us launched. Uh, we sold that portfolio uh, in 1990 uh, and started building conventional business centers. Uh, the name had changed a little bit through the decade uh, uh, between 1990 and 2000 uh, when we built a portfolio, a national portfolio. Um, and at the 2000, we started looking around. I started looking around and I said, well, you know, if we're going to expand globally, which was our, our goal, um, we really need to change our business model. And so we looked around and we looked at companies like Pegasus, Sabre, uh, the emergence of Expedia. We'd had uh, experience in the travel industry by owning another software company, Highmark Software, in that industry. Uh, and, and we looked around and we said, we think we should be servicing the customer instead of owning the center, but we need to do so. Uh, remotely, much much like Expedia does, if we're going to really grow quickly. Sure. Uh, so we changed our model to a software um, a technology model, uh, and now we operate uh, facilities in in our system uh, uh, from over 700 locations in 47 countries, encompassing about 15 million square feet of space, uh, and about 400,000 clients globally. Uh, so we have also developed the industry's largest news and information network. Uh, we manage the industry's charitable foundation, and we're co-hosts in the industry's convention platform for the industry's own meetings. So we, we really wanted to involve ourselves as a service company uh, across the serviced office industry. And that's part of it, uh, what leads to that mobile revolution talk about. And wow. I'll, they'll, they'll be, according, according to IDC, in, by the end of this year, there'll be 1.6 billion mobile workers. That means one in three uh, mobile work, people who work in the workforce will be mobile workers. And they define that by any person who works out of their office, uh, out of a formal office, more than two days a week. So your laptop warrior that you were talking about earlier, or what we call mm-hmm. a digital nomad, ah. uh, we use the term digi- digital nomad, um, is really becoming the workforce of the future. In fact, if you look at most of the major companies, uh, take uh, any of the Fortune 100 companies, 10 years ago or five years ago even, when you looked at them, they said, we have we make this much revenue and we make this much profit and we do so in these countries and we have an employee base of X amount. And if you start looking at the corporate reports of these companies today, they don't say they have employees anymore. They say they have a workforce. And the migration and immigration and all these things are very much in the news today. But a mobile workforce uh, that's doing intellectual work um, in the technology sectors in particular doesn't need to necessarily go anywhere in order to work anywhere. And that's what business today, government today is recognizing, everyone is recognizing, that you can live where you want, uh, enjoy your family, 
uh, do the things that you want to do, but still work anywhere in the world. Uh, and that's really what uh, we hope our industry has brought, uh, you know, to the workforce today. Yeah, and uh, and just on a personal note, uh, I'll tell you one of the things that sparked my passion for the idea of being a digital mo- nomad or recognizing the ability to work from anywhere is you have to go back 15 years, uh, go back to the year 2002. And uh, I'd gotten out of uh, college. I was still working on my MBA, and I had a full-time job that I had. And uh, one morning, this was a, a very interesting morning in December of 2002. Uh, the temperature dropped about 30 degrees overnight, and we got seven inches of snow that hadn't been predicted in the forecast. Now, um, I had enough going on uh, just in my own surroundings because my dad had been coming home from work and got caught in that snowstorm and was involved in an automobile accident where the other person died. So you have that going on just on a personal level, you know, very traumatic thing. And then you have, because that snowstorm was such a freak storm, there was nothing going on with regards to having the roads cleared in time. Now, meanwhile, at my job, we had, uh, I, was, I worked in community outreach, uh, and we had uh, a meeting scheduled with some of our stakeholders. So what do I do because I can't get out of the office, I can't get out of my house, is I pick up the phone and I start making the necessary calls to have everything moved. Now, doesn't that sound like a logical and actually uh, dedicated thing to do, which is to pick up the phone and get the ball rolling? Doesn't that sound good? Well, it, it sure sure does. I think the other flip side of it is in, at that point in time, uh, a lot of people would have been emailing to do the same thing. Uh, right. Uh, and, and a few of them would have been starting to figure out texting and instant messaging at, at that time. Just a very, right. very, very small, small number. Yeah. Uh, my, my own uh, migration to becoming a digital nomad, sort of giving up the big corner office and the, the nice building and all that sort of thing, uh, was quite simple. Uh, I live in, in Newport Beach, California, uh, and I enjoy the beach. I uh, enjoy being outdoors, and our weather here allows that a lot. Yep. So the very first laptop computer, or it was referred to as a portable that I had at the time, um, <clears throat> uh, the very first one I got, I strung a power cord out into uh, the back patio so I could work in the backyard. That was sure. that was my first attempt at, at, at working mobily. Uh, <clears throat> and after that, as Wi-Fi came up and, and everything, and you could create personal hotspots, uh, my office moved literally to the sand on the beach, uh, and uh, it, it became a very easy way to work, and I realized that if I can do this and, and, and manage uh, what we're doing, there's no reason everybody can't do it. And the whole concept of virtual officing uh, was created not by us but by our industry, uh, and today it's really uh, the workplace of choice, uh, I think, is just at whatever instrument you choose connected through instant messaging or other services to everyone that you need to be connected to. Uh, Whole communities are built this way. And we see social media as a great uh, uh, tool uh, to be used really in the workplace as well these days. Right. Yeah. My point being my, you know, where I was going with all that and, and that's all absolutely true. And I guess I remember when laptops were, were called portables. That is going back a, a minute or two in a day. 
is so uh, yeah, yeah, I was also using email to get all this stuff done. So the next thing you know is I find out I work for this this company that has 300 and some employees. And next thing I know is I get a call from my supervisor who knew full well what I was doing and didn't have any problem with it, that somehow the CEO of the company had, had deigned to get personally involved in why am I blowing the day off without having gotten approved time off? Like, what the hell? So, Well, you know, the, <laughs> the old days of having to see someone in order right. to know they're working uh, are are long past us. Uh, uh, it really comes down to uh, an individual's production, uh, sort of a, an actual meritocracy on production as opposed to physically seeing people sitting at little desks in nice rows. Uh, yeah. And it, it's a much more effective and a much more humane uh, management style than we used yeah. to have. Yeah, so yeah, so the way I responded to that one is I said, so if you want me, expect me to call this a vacation day, then you're going to pay me for the use of my personal uh, resources. So I gave them the phone bill, I gave them the electric bill, I gave them the cell phone bill, and I itemized out that three-hour period of time when I did the work from home, and I said, you pay these percentages. And uh, my supervisor made sure I got paid for that. So uh, that was just uh, for that total of I think four dollars and eighty-three cents, or whatever it was. It was a matter of the principle, but this whole thing just got me really fired up about again. Why, do, you know, what does being in a nice row of cubicles and being uh, visible at your desk? What does that have to do with productivity? And what does that have to do with making a difference or getting the job done? I've been I've been in the world for you know the business world for twenty years. I have yet to see that correlation, Frank. Well, I think you're absolutely right, and I think that business today, uh, all businesses, and even government, uh, recognizes uh, that the days of the cube farm are waning. Uh, no more will you have to be prairie dogging, jumping up and down, seeing who's in what cube, and, and, and all the things that were joked about uh, in, in the days of, of, of those large open floor plans with 500 workers in them. Uh, right. That is definitely going away. You bring an interesting point up, though, about reimbursement. Um, <clears throat> in the time period you're talking about, or I'll roll back into uh, the late 80s uh, and early 90s, um, the concept of telecommuting was born. And one of the big uh, stages in this revolution you're talking about was uh, the Clean Air Act. Uh, the Clean Air Act defined that all companies of a certain size with a certain number of employees had to have a telecommuting plan uh, in place. Uh, oh. And in doing in doing so, um, they put people to work in their homes. And the, what the kickback was almost immediately, uh, the people said, well, telecommuting is great, and I don't mind working out of my home if I'm not feeling well, but if you're going to put me permanently here, just as you were saying on the principle of it, I need reimbursement. And the companies figured out that it was actually made more sense to put them in local telecommuting centers, business centers, uh, virtual office centers as we think of today, or co-working centers as we think of today, in order to escape the liability of home-based workers uh, and not get stuck. And there are quite a number of very well-recognized court cases where people got reimbursed quite large sums of money because they had been the company had sent them to create a home office. And there's also the issue of liability um, uh, that a lot of companies got stung with. So uh, <clears throat> and 
finally it comes down to, I think, we are all as humans quite gregarious by nature. We, we like being around other humans. We and do. working in isolation at your home for a long period of time uh, is uh, you start feeling like a shut-in. Uh, and that's not a, that's not a productive environment. Uh, so, virtual office centers, uh, co-working centers, business centers uh-huh. uh, have become the new format uh, for working, and uh, are, are really uh, our industry is growing at around 12% a year globally. And if you want to equate that to something, that's the same pace at which the PC industry grew during the height of the dot-com era. That's how fast our industry is growing right now. Sure. Yeah, it's it's a very exciting thing. And being based here in Las Vegas, we have a lot of incubators. We have a lot of startup sensors. And we have a lot of co-working spaces, particularly in the downtown area of Las Vegas, which, for those who are not familiar, is not the Strip. The Strip is not even in Las Vegas. It's in the town of Paradise. When I talk about downtown Las Vegas, I mean downtown Las Vegas, which is, a fast reviving and fast growing business center where there's been a lot of investment. This is a very exciting time. Um, if you want to be involved in this type of business and work lifestyle, uh, before we dive into uh, some of the specific things that we want to cover in our brief time together here, Frank, I do want to clarify one point, And this is actually from your bio. Uh, you make a reference in your bio to third place working. Uh, could you clarify what that means for us, please? Um, really, uh, people work uh, out of an office, out of a home office, but they really work anywhere today. Right. Um, the Starbucks might be considered the largest co-working company in the world, uh, for that matter. Uh, <clears throat> because every, if you go into any Starbucks today, uh, you would find uh, as many people sitting on a laptop or some uh, instrument uh, as drinking coffee. Uh, and so you really we look at uh, virtual officing, um, uh, any kind of digital nomad uh, process uh, as that third place, uh, and it is growing exponentially. Um, again, your workplace is now whatever instrument you're tied to, not whatever chair you're sitting in or desk you're sitting at. It's the instrument itself is now the workplace. Right. So... I, I agree with that, and because uh, when I hear the term third place, what that often refers to is really the place where you hang out, where you think of your home as your first place, your office or the place where you work is your second place, and as we're talking about today, that's evolving. And the third place is that place where everybody knows your name, whether it's your favorite bar, uh, your favorite restaurant, uh, the bowling league you belong to. It's that thing that you do where you walk in and it's like your home. And we are seeing a lot more of that. You mentioned coffee shops, for instance, as a, th- as, a, as a center for third place working. And for many people, you know, coffee shops, a favorite restaurant where they have the same breakfast every morning and sit in the same seat or something like that, that is the third place, the third home. And we're seeing work move to the third place. I mean, we've been seeing it for a long time, but, you know, with the digital nomadism, we're really getting there now, which is exciting. Now, with all this well, going on, it- go ahead. No, I, I was going to say it is exciting, but some of the challenges with third place work, um, and let's use Starbucks as an example. It's a fine company. Okay. They serve excellent coffee. Uh, their bandwidth is okay, uh, yeah. but it's noisy. It's noisy. Uh, you don't have privacy. Um, you can't print anything if you should need to. 
Right. Um, Starbucks really doesn't like you sitting at one of their tables for four hours, um, having ordered one cup of coffee. Um, uh, so there's a lot of distraction. It's a terrible place to meet people for business purposes. Uh, so uh, the coffee shop concept really is an uh, almost an emergency workplace uh, uh, overall. Uh, and the business center and co-working center uh, that are designed for that, and by the way, most of them serve coffee and many of them serve Starbucks true, um, for true. free, no, no less, true. for free. Very true. <laughs> um, uh, in fact, I think my Starbucks bill is equal to most co-working centers' memberships. Um, uh, so uh, if I could get the Starbucks coffee for free at the co-working space, I'd be a lot better shape. Right. Um, uh, so the, 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 there is a lot of issues around making third-place working actually function properly on a professional level. Absolutely. Absolutely. So where I was going and uh, the little segue we just took here was actually still headed in the direction where I was uh, speeding along here is when we talk about, uh, you know, the use of remote office services like you have, and we'll dive into more specifically in a moment, um, how do they play a role in terms of helping business owners maintain professionalism when they're working from home and the kids and the dog are barking in the background or when they're at the third place of the coffee shop and you have all the ambient noise? Well, that is a major challenge. And a lot of people choose to work from home, and I'll use myself as an example. I work from home yeah, uh, on either Mondays, Mondays or Fridays uh, for the convenience of it. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a nice break at that point. So uh, people know that work closely with me that at around 3 o'clock the mailman shows up and my dog barks. Right. Um, uh, people have gotten so used to others working at home that they 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 basically accept it today. Um, uh, but the ambient noise, like I can control the noise in my own home, and I can also concentrate because most of the time it's very quiet and peaceful. Um, you can't do that in a coffee shop. Uh, it it just doesn't work. Um, and you also don't have privacy and. You don't know when you're discussing your new technology secret with your partner, hunched over your computers, who's sitting next to you. Uh, and an awful lot of companies that uh, have sensitive material uh, have quite uh, rigid uh, policies around where things can be done and what can be done and, and, and all of that as well. So uh, the co-working center, the virtual office center, uh, the, the places that are designed for this are really uh, the right place where people should be working. Right. And uh, and just by the nature of them, because they are co-working spaces and business spaces, they help to maintain that professionalism. And they also provide the, shall we say, the trappings of an office. So as you mentioned earlier, if you need to print something, you can get onto the Wi-Fi or what have you, and you can print through the network. Uh, if you need a cup of coffee, exactly. there's a cup of coffee. If you need to meet a client, there's a meeting room. If you need to have a conference meeting with uh, the members of your startup or what have you, you can, uh, again, get a conference room right there at the at the, uh, at the co-working space. Absolutely. And just because it, uh, it's called a co-working space doesn't mean that it doesn't also have private offices and team offices built into the format. Uh, a, a business center today is built with about a 70-30 ratio of private space versus public space. A co-working center today is built with about a 60-40 ratio of 
private space versus public space. Uh-huh. Um, so a lot of companies like those, the interaction that goes on in those places and the really the strong sense of community um, that's combined with the professionalism. Uh, but they do want their privacy uh, because they have, you know, it's, it's not a party. They've got a lot of work to do. Right. Yeah, that's that's very true. And uh, believe me, I don't want to I don't want to work in a cubicle. I want to work in an office. Exactly. Exactly. And a, a lot of people, though, um, and I'll use myself uh, again as an example. I have offices in several locations, um, uh, but I also, because I travel a lot, uh, have a, the ability to drop into uh, business and co-working centers as an itinerant traveler, business person, as one of those digital nomads. And for a certain type of work, I'm happy to be in an open area. For other types of work, though, I do need privacy, and I think that's true of all of us. We can all have a combination of these things, which is available today, and it didn't used right. to be. Yeah, like I have three different places where I work. I have a, I have a home office. Uh, uh, I call them Office 1, Office 2, and Office 3. So Office Number 1 is my home office. I'm sitting in my home office right now as you and I have this conversation. And things I do in my home office include uh, include hosting the Business Creators Radio Show. Uh, I do some of my strategic planning in here. Uh, this is the place where I normally do my morning stuff. Uh, one of the goals I have for my workday is that I achieve at least one money-making thing before I look at an email or a social media site or a voicemail or anything like that. I don't even look at any of that stuff until I have done something that brings in money. That's just the role I have. And the reason I do that is because even if the whole day goes to hell, I can't say it was a complete loss, so I come out winning. That's number one. So that's my home office. Uh, Office number two is the balcony, uh, which is about 30 feet from here. And uh, that is a place where I will do things that – and, again, these these are not hard and fast roles, but they uh, do have – yeah, but there are trends I've noticed just over the past five years of having this set up. Is uh, on the balcony, uh, that's usually a place where I will do more marketing outreach. This is where I do the in the business, uh, the follow ups, the con- making connections with people, uh, taking the types of phone calls that aren't going to be turned into podcast episodes and things like that. Uh, the third office is our office number three is the cigar shop down the street uh funny thing about cigar shops is if you go into one any pretty much any cigar shop uh, around this time of day uh on any weekday what you're mostly going to find are a bunch of guys on laptops uh they'll have get this a coffee and a cigar and they'll be on your laptop and they'll be working and because i find that a cigar just gets my intellectual creativity going when i need to get into some really focused copywriting type stuff that's where i go to do that so i have three different offices three different scenarios and i know that if i'm in one place and i'm just feeling the mental need for a change of pace i can just pick up and move to one of the others well you know i think every time you move from one location to another you stimulate a different uh uh, part of your brain uh, and so doing different types of work in different places is, we find, is, is actually quite common uh, for people. Right. Uh, I certainly, I, I practice the same process myself and have for, for decades. 
uh, uh, so I, I think that having that capability, which we all do today, is one of the foundations for this revolution that you're talking about and what makes virtual officing so appealing to people. And it's funny, in our industry, which we're in the serviced office industry, and by that I mean all providers that combine people, place, and technology into a single product and deliver it with a highly flexible service agreement. That service agreement could be um, uh, more traditional, uh, look kind of like a sublease in some cases, uh, or it could be looking more very clubby, uh, like a membership agreement, but still combines that people, place, and technology, and that includes all business centers, co-working centers, incubators, accelerators, logistics centers, media centers, etc. Um, they just have different brand promises. Uh, a business center's brand promise to its customers would be uh, professional image and services. A uh, co-working center's brand promise would be something more like uh, uh, business growth through a collaborative community structure. An incubator naturally adds mentoring to either of those two, and an accelerator would add access to capital to an incubator. So, But they all take that people, place, and technology. And as you move around into different modes, different formats for that, or maybe have an office in each one of those through a, an office pass system, you know, you, 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 if you travel a lot, you probably have an airline club card of some sort. Right, I do. Uh, okay. Um, <clears throat> well, you know how comfortable you are just checking into one of the airline clubs, uh, uh, lounges, and you can settle in. And, you know, sometimes you settle into a cubicle or a, a carol and work. Sometimes you settle in and relax and, and, and maybe chat with, with some others, and or, or, or sometimes you just settle in and, and read your email and respond accordingly. As you move around, you have different spaces within those lounges, and a business center or a co-working center is the same way. You have different types of space. You have lounge space, a communal space, private space, meeting space, etc. And you can access all of these through virtual officing, uh, either by having a uh, five addresses uh, that, that you use uh, in, a, in, a, in a multi-office plan because that's where your territory is, or by getting any variety of passes that look very much like airline club uh, passes that allow you just to travel around the world. Um, so it's a, a very different way of working uh, uh, against concepts of the past, but it really uh, does says that you have complete flexibility now and you can have a business arrangement through virtual officing that allows that so very easily. In fact, if you wanted, I can open you a, a, an office, uh, 10 offices in 10 countries in 10 cities in less than 10 minutes. Wow. Uh, it's very easy. Very, very easy to do these days. Just like you could book a hotel room through Expedia, or you can create an office uh, in Hong Kong just as fast as you can book a hotel in Hong Kong. Yeah, see, yeah, and and, I, and I've seen companies do that, and I think that's very powerful if you need to establish a quote-unquote local presence. So uh, just to make sure I heard right, does that also include setting up a mailing address? Oh, absolutely. A mailing address is a critical part of all officing, uh, which officing is a, is, a, is a verb. It's an activity. It's not a place. And yeah. I think that that's a, a big change that's going on uh, today as well. 
Um, but yes, address, uh, uh, telephony, live reception services, uh, meeting room reservations or office reservations, all of that is booked simultaneously. It's very easy to do. Right. Because uh, the reason I, reason I say that is, you know, you were talking about the idea of if you want to establish a presence in, you know, let's say I'm in Las Vegas and I want to, and I decide that, you know, we're going to open a branch office in New York City. So I set up a New York City phone number, I get a New York City mailing address, and I set up an email address that's something like uh, bizcreatorsnyc at helpmywebsitesell.com. Not a real email address, folks, so don't bother. But uh, I'm just saying we could do something like that, and now we have a presence in New York City. Yes, and where that becomes very important, if you think of, of yourself, um, <clears throat> today almost all companies are international. They have an international customer, an international supplier, or an international offshore employee. Sure. And that could just be a company of three people. Uh, but it, it, it's happening. I mean, we, we, borders have fallen down when it comes to technology uh, and, and, and organizing technology products. So if that's the case, then you might have a contract. You might be in Vegas. Uh, you might have a contract that you're trying to get in New York such as you said, uh, where one of the requirements of the contract is that you have a New York office uh, right. with a New York phone number and a New York address, and you probably have to register yourself, get a business license knowing New York, the way it runs, right. uh, as well. And you can't get a business license unless you have an address. It, you just can't do it. You can't open Correct. a bank account unless you have an address. In fact, one of the major things um, that we know from our experience is that even such simple things as corporate credit or business credit, you have to have a business address that's aligned with the type of business you're in zone-wise, or you can't get that corporate credit card from the bank. And if you don't have a phone number that matches the address, you won't ever get that corporate credit card from the bank. Right. You can have a personal credit card you use for business, but you can't have an independent corporate credit card. Um, so... Uh, all sorts of reasons why people, even though they're a digital nomad, they need to have a legitimate address uh, from which uh, to, to create themselves. Uh, and it's just a part of the, the process of life. Yeah, and, and again, it's so easy to do. So let's say that you want to get a corporate credit card. I mean, I, I, my business has corporate credit cards, and uh, it's really pretty simple to get all these things together. So they're looking for you to have a business mailing address easily done, uh, to have a business phone number that has an area code that matches or relates to that business address, that can be done in seconds, and uh, some sort of demonstration that you do business or have business activities there. It's normally, I actually don't even think the third one counts for a corporate credit card, but uh, you know they do look uh, to see that where they're going to be sending the statements uh, and the phone number have some correlation to each other. Your point being that with officing and the digital nomad thing, you can do that pretty easily. Yes, you can very, very easily. And one of the things also, and we'll stick on corporate credit for just a second, oftentimes the credit reporting agencies want to see that you actually have a business license at that address. Um, so that's another criteria for some of the agencies. Uh, right. So, Again, but this is all very easily man managed in, in our process, uh, and it's 
where you really run into challenges like that uh, uh, is when you start going overseas uh, because now you have to comply with the requirements of the United Kingdom or possibly Germany or the Netherlands, uh, setting up uh, addresses and bank accounts and things of that nature. So if you don't have an address in those places, it's just impossible. It's, it's not even something you should <laughs> bother thinking about. Right. Right, I got, I got you. So, uh, you know, we've spoken about some of the benefits of virtual offices, and uh, there are so many, but what are some of the challenges we may not have uh, focused on up until now? Boy, I'm, my silence is somewhat of a dramatic pause. I'm trying uh-huh. to think of the challenge. I think self-motivation. Uh, when you're working by yourself, you're your own boss, and you have to be on top of your own game all the time. Uh, right. You, 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 you really have to stay focused, and that's a challenge for some people. Um, uh, if you're working in a business environment, in a business center or a co-working center, um, uh, even though you have great office uh, environment around you and, and others around you to, in, in, in a good uh, sort of business ecosystem, um, you still have to be self-motivated and self, self-actuated. Right. Um, so that's a challenge. Um, uh, one easily met, I think, if you if you love what you do. So well, I guess my advice would be, if you're really doing what you love doing, you'll never have that problem. So sure. if you're doing something you really don't like, you'll always have that problem. That's <laughs> so right. It's not just not just part of being a digital nomad or a, a, the, the mobility revolution. That's just a normal business issue. Um, Aside from that, I honestly, and I'm, I'm, I, I just can't think of any. Um, there are no downsides to mobility. Um, that's sort of like saying, well, is there a downside to bandwidth? Is there a downside to being able to use the Internet or, or, or email? Not really. Um, it, it's a, a new way to work that's a progression. Our, our, our business DNA has evolved and it's evolved very positively in this direction. And I think that's the way we have to think of this. It's not necessarily so much a revolution. The recognition of it is the revolution. But our business DNA has evolved naturally to this state, and all business and all government, all productivity is more efficient because of it. Yeah, I think I think that's extremely true. And again, it does come down to uh, when you work at the intersection of your brilliance in your passion, uh, because you're going to be either going to be motivated or you're not. I, I know what it feels like to uh, sit in a cubicle um, at an office with 300 and some employees wondering why the hell I'm there. And do you think I was really motivated? Do you think I did a whole lot of work? Uh, I used to dread Fridays. Now, you're supposed to say TGIF, but I used to dread them because Basically, the world would come to a stop, and I'd be sitting there for four hours doing nothing. Not because I wasn't a self-starter. It's because I was in an environment where the past 37 times I had tried to self-start, I got brutally punished for doing so and basically told to just wait for instructions. So with no instructions forthcoming, what was I supposed to do? Uh, In in an arena where um, actual initiative was – paid lip service to, but then go ahead and try and show some and watch what happens. Uh, so, you know, you're not going to be passionate there. So you, so for that reason, I don't buy the argument that B 
being in an office creates motivation by any means. You gotta love what you do, and you gotta be it's gotta be the intersection of your brilliance and passion. So when you have that, you can work from anywhere. Now, uh, you know, you're talking about the government getting involved in this and large size companies getting involved in this. And I've heard that, you know, there are liabilities with respect to when people work from home. Uh, you know, you shared with me something very interesting that I hadn't even heard of, which was, you know, how the Clean Air Act mandated the ability for people to uh, work mobile for environmental reasons, if I heard that correctly, and correct me if I didn't. Uh, but I've also no. heard – I'm sorry? I said yes, you're correct. Okay, thank you. And uh, uh, But I've also heard uh, stories about liabilities of because the company's data or the company's property was not within the walls of the company's office, and I've heard that this affects – uh, their liability insurance and their business insurance as well. Uh, is there any truth to this? And if so, how do we work with that to uh, support the idea of working from anywhere? Well, yes, yes, there is quite a bit of truth to it, and even the liabilities extend beyond. There was a case in the early 90s where a, uh, a child uh, was uh, very severely injured as a result of a piece of office equipment uh, that his father was using in the home. Uh, and that case obviously created quite a liability in the end for the company that hadn't created a secure and safe work environment, uh, uh, you know, for, for their employee and their child was injured. Um, so right. those sorts of things can happen. Um, but the, the really the liability of uh, firewalls, uh, um, internet security, Things of this nature are critical to companies today, all companies. I mean, literally, who hasn't been hacked? Right. Okay? Even in a secure environment. Uh, <clears throat> let's go talk to the guys at Sony or the talk to the IRS. Or I mean, who hasn't been hacked these days? So you really, companies, especially companies with sensitive information, and any government contractor or any primary contractor to any technology company, absolutely has to have a secure work environment. And that secure work environment isn't just physically secure, um, but is secure as it relates to uh, data. And data is all dealt with bandwidth, and that all de deals with the way you're managing your network and your firewalls. So right. having a professional organization, uh, a business center, that has a very strict network management processes and procedures that protect those clients within the center from that data breach uh, is elemental to business today. Uh, and I would trust that very few people working from their home office network have the same type of security. Yeah, and you know what? That makes me wonder, too. Uh, if I were to get involved in a uh, virtual work environment or like a or rather like a, like a co-working or something like that, that's a good question to ask, which is what is your network security like? Because if you find out that they're just, they just got a business account with their local ISP and plugged it in the wall, do you really think I'm going to trust my business to that? I don't think so. No. I mean, I, I, mean, I, 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 have, is, sa I have safeguards on my, on my home office network and my home office connectivity that uh, that, are, that might be stronger than some of the things you see out there, and that concerns me. Well, and, and that's actually one of the very most common questions asked is what's the bandwidth, 
uh, how are the firewalls working? Uh, am I going to be in front or behind? Uh, I need a static IP address. How do I do that? Right. Um, so technology or connectivity questions, we'll call it, are very, very common uh, within our industry. And uh, that is a big part of what we provide is a secure working environment. Right. Okay, so, that, so that's very important. Uh, question for people to ask. And you hit some of the points, you know, static IP, am I in front of or behind the firewall? Uh, you know, what are the layers of protection? What are the layers of encryption? So that when you are in that space and you have client files open in front of you where you are responsible for protecting your client's confidentiality, that their competitors haven't scoped you out and found out where you're logging in. Yep. That's very, very important. Yeah, now, in the, now the nature of the work I do, uh, that's not as big a concern, but I take it just as seriously, and I have those safeguards in mind. And when I am at office number three, as I mentioned earlier, um, I'm very careful not to have a lot of confidential client stuff up on my laptop, or which is to say any. Uh, as I said, when I go to that space, it's because I need to uh, be in a more creative type environment and that usually involves just having a Word document open and a browser in case I need to do some research to fill in some blanks. That's it. I don't have – I'm not logged into my client's stuff. I'm not into their, their teamwork applications, and I'm not into their email accounts and stuff like that. So that's what I mean by taking those types of things seriously in terms of what's displaying on my computer at any given time. That is correct. And, and also that, – that's that's uh, Yeah. Also, in additional, additionally, I have hard drives on my home computer network uh, that only attach to that network. So all the computers can access them because the hard drives are plugged directly into the router. So any computer that's on the network can be uh, file passed into them. But nobody on the outside can see that. And I have layers of protection up to ensure that. And, you know, whatever your company requires, um, wherever you're working, you need to make sure that you're, you're dealing with it effectively. And we're so used to um, the utilization of our phones uh, and even creating hotspots with our own phones in, in many cases that uh, I think most people are not as, as uh, secure as they, they think they might be. And they're just tr trusting to blind luck. <laughs> um, yeah. But. But uh, anyway, that, I think that's the difference between, you know, the homework environment oftentimes and a secure business work environment, and particularly if you're traveling around from place to place. You want to work within a, a network of locations where you know that you have that professional layer of security. Right. So what I'd like to do now is uh, we have about – 10 minutes left here, uh, you know, this, you know, time flies when you're having fun, is I'd like to talk a little bit about your company, Alliance Virtual Offices, as an example of how we do these things we've been talking about for the past 50 minutes. Now, uh, when somebody invests in Alliance Virtual Offices, having checked out your website, I, I see they can get an office address, they can have a live receptionist, they have access to meeting rooms. And as I understand it, you have locations in a number of different cities. Is that correct? Uh, that is correct. We actually have over 700 locations in 47 countries. Okay, so um, I, was under, I was understating yeah, a little bit. Just like you paused for dramatic <laughs> effect earlier, I understated. There we go. Well, I appreciate that. No, I, I think we're, we're in every major business market in the world. Uh, and 
uh, even this year, we're opening up a variety of our of new locations uh, in Africa, as an example. Wow. Um, and Africa is growing tremendously. Uh, uh, most people don't necessarily understand it because we hear uh, the bad news, honestly, about uh, you know political instability and, and problems sometimes in parts of Africa, and we pay attention to that. But from a business economy point of view, the next big boom is not going to be Asia. It's going to be Africa. At least that's our view. Um, I've been seeing I've been seeing some yeah. of that too. I mean, you're right that uh, in some yeah. places, unfortunately, they still have genocide and child slavery and all other sorts of things. But we are seeing a different trend happen, happening in many parts of Africa right now, where it's not just uh, Boko Haram and 519 scams, where you have a lot of entrepreneurship, you have a lot of evolution, you have a lot of modernization. And uh, that, you know, and I, I kind of agree with you. I think if somebody's listening to this 10 years from now, it's very likely they're going to see that, you know, Africa has become very hot. Well, it, 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 yeah, it, 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 it absolutely is. And I mean, when you look at it, uh, they have the population, um, they have the resources, uh, and the infrastructure is, is growing hugely uh, because of the way cellular works or the way mobile right. broadband works. Um, uh, it's, it's interesting to see go into a, a small village or see examples of a small village where uh, you you see everybody doing going about their work, and everybody has a cell phone. Everybody's connected yes. to the internet. Yeah, and uh, that connectivity is going to allow education. It's going to allow business to be done remotely, uh, where family ties are critically important in many cultures. People That's very true. want to go That's to work, but true. they do not want to leave their family. All very of this true. lends itself very well to a developing uh, region. Uh, we yes. see that in uh, all, all parts of the world. Um, so <clears throat> I guess the, the good news about our company is we've been around for close to 40 years. So we've seen a lot of economic cycles, a lot of trending issues, uh, and it allows us to forecast, if you will, um, uh, growth regions uh, and why we think those regions will grow. And we certainly think that that part of the world is, is ready exactly for the growth that they deserve. Um, yeah. But to your question, uh, Alliance Virtual Offices um, uh, is a company that provides virtual officing and permanent officing solutions um, um, globally uh, and works very much uh, as a company like Expedia would. We've aggregated the space and services from uh, high-quality, consistent operators all over the world, just like Expedia would aggregate hotels and airlines and rental cars, where we aggregate office space. Uh, live reception, telephony, and business services, meeting room services in the same way. And uh, clients deal with us because they can deal with a trusted large provider uh, that can put them anywhere at any time. Uh, and that uh, is really one of the, the big benefits, the simplicity of our system. We work in uh, all currencies, uh, <clears throat> and uh, we work across, like I say, 47 different countries right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I... So, yeah, I did a search here while you were talking uh, for Las Vegas, Nevada, where I'm based, and uh, you get six search results just in Las Vegas, one of which is about four minutes from me. Now, where where are you in Vegas? Uh, I'm just off Summerlin, so your Regatta Drive okay. location sure, is sure. the one that's very close. 
<laughs> sure. That's yeah, very fa- close to you. Yeah, yeah. In fact, our in fact our uh, our corporate mailing address is a Summerlin mailing address. It's uh, it's uh, physically located about three blocks from here. So, uh, and then mm-hmm. uh, that's another thing too. You know, when we think about officing is uh, most entrepreneurs that I speak with would prefer that no mail ever comes to their home, even personal mail. They just do not want mail coming to their home because they want their home to be something that's extremely private. Unless you have an invitation to visit, no one needs to know where that is. So for purposes of creating the look and feel of a company, they will publicly display a mailing address off-site, like my company has done for the past nine years. Uh, and we do that because it is legitimate that we have a mailing address that is for the company where company business is transacted. Since we do email marketing, that's also our can, also our can spam address uh, because we, cause when you do email marketing, it's required that you give all of your subscribers a physical email address that they can send a postcard to that has to be removed from your mailing list. That's a legal requirement. Well, and as well, you know, we talked about uh, space and, and physical location. Let's talk about uh, communications for a second. Sure. Um, <clears throat> um, we all carry a, a mobile phone of some sort. Yep. These days. Um, <clears throat> do you want to give out your personal mobile phone number? To no. People, or would you rather give them a business phone number that's a second line that's connected to your mobile, but yes. also has a live reception on the front end of it? Uh, to deal with with your customers' requests on a highly personalized basis, right? And when you call back from your mobile, do you want them seeing your personal mobile phone number as a callback item, or do you want them no. seeing your company number and your company name in that yes. callback? So uh, integrating, we have a, a very large cloud-based switching system uh, works globally, and uh, integrating with uh, the people's mobile phones as opposed to a desktop phone or both in our case right. uh, or a soft, a soft phone on your computer for that matter um, is elemental to business communications today. Um, just like you probably don't use your personal Gmail account for your email. Uh, you have a business email account. Uh, that's very, very important, but you don't want to carry two instruments. So we'll, we'll just lay a second line on your existing instrument and handle it that way. Uh, right. So. Exactly, and I can't say enough about that point. And even to this day, in 2017, uh, when you know when, we're, when I'm sharing the phone number for the company, I, I give the toll-free number and I say this is my extension. And then the very next question I get from so many people is, "Oh, well, okay, that's cool. What's your cell phone number?" I say, "You have my cell phone number. You dial that, and it comes to wherever I am, and I'm if I'm able or willing to take your call. You don't need." Uh, my cell phone number and I don't need the, the text. Uh, I have a, I have a, an office set up and uh, that's how I manage things because just like what you offer with a virtual receptionist, which is great, uh, it creates a funnel for people to make sure that they reach you in an organized fashion and through a professional yeah. channel. Well, it does. And uh, the way most uh, reception services these days work as well is yeah. you have voicemail to email and voicemail to text and email to te- you, you have a variety of combinations of, of communication structures Correct. that uh, all work out quite well and quite professionally. And I think when you're asking about challenges uh, of working in a mobile uh, environment, uh, and I said focus, um, well, one of the things that's disruptive to focus is constant interruption. Uh, so 
it lets you can manage your time and the way people reach you effectively. Uh, you will not do as well at any task. Right. That's ve- that's very true, and that's something to bear in mind when you're a digital nomad is, is you still need to – in fact, I would even argue it's more important than ever to maintain that discipline of this is when I can be reached. This is when I need to focus on my work. Uh, I find that myself. When I start seeing my schedule getting filled up with too many uh, here and there phone calls all over the place, I'll start blocking off days because, hey, I need to focus. Well, I got stuff to do here. And, and, and one of the most valuable – services that actually our live reception is provided to people is we actually do full calendar and diary management as well. Wow. Okay. So um, if you say to, to, if if in your profile it says, well, I I take calls between X and Y time, and I take these type of appointments between another time on certain days, uh, our team will actually schedule your appointment calendaring, and all of that just shows up on your phone uh, or on on your computer. uh, And it's a very effective way of managing your business, whether you're a large company or a small company. Yeah, even it gives even, you really a a, yeah. a, a personal a, a, a virtual personal assistant, if you will, helping you to manage your time. I love that term, virtual personal assistant. So, so Frank, we are actually at the top of the hour here. Uh, so, first of all, um, I just want to say it's been an honor, a pleasure, and an education to have you aboard, and I would encourage everybody to visit Alliance Virtual Offices at uh, www.alliancevirtualoffices.com to discover more about this. Uh, Frank, is there any, like uh, 30 seconds, any final words or any final thoughts you want to leave our listeners with as they're deciding to take action? Well, no, I think uh, if if anybody just needs uh, to reach our website, you've provided it, and I thank you for that. but really, if they're seeking to understand more about what goes on in the mo- world of mobility in the workplace, uh, they can also go to allwork.space, uh, allwork.space. That's the service office industry's largest news and information site, and there's just a huge amount of uh, information about work mobility in the workplace, co-working business centers uh, from all over the world. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, thank you very much for that. So everybody listening, uh, Frank Cottle, again, thank you very much for being with us. It's been my pleasure. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the BusinessCreatorsRadioShow.com. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.BusinessCreatorsRadioShow.com, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.